If you come back in here, I'm going to hit you with so many rights, you're going to beg for a left. Oh, yeah. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I am Ryan from Cultsplantation.com and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? Uh, we're good. We're we're embroiled in the red hot 80s action summer for the podcast. We decided that we were gonna do a bunch of 80s movies from all of your uh most recognizable action stars. Um we've already done a couple of films with Arnie. We did one with Arnie, and uh last time um we did one um, with uh, why am Jack, I drawing? Jackie Chan? Jackie Chan, yeah, that's right. I was like, what did we do last time? <laughs> uh, we did one with Jackie Chan, and of course, you know, for this week's episode, we decided, you know, we've done a couple of really big action stars. Let's go for the biggest. The man who had memes and books and stories written. Absolutely, about him. I mean, I mean, endless, who else? endless mid Bush era two thousands fun with this man. Who else can you do? Besides Chuck Norris, the red-haired savage of 80s action movies. Now, when you think of Chuck Norris, obviously, you think of Walker, Texas Ranger, and you think of Conan O'Brien. Um, Best bit ever. Yeah. <laughs> you think of Conan O'Brien, for the most part. I don't know, if, I don't know if how um, Chuck Norris feels about that, that you know, a lot of people now probably don't, don't really think of him so much as like Conan O'Brien or Chuck Norris jokes, memes, stuff like that. I don't think he cares. I think he made a lot of money off of it. Bowflex. I mean, he had yep, he had that going too. But he was in, you know, got had that dodgeball cameo basically just because you know, like of Chuck Norris jokes as one of the judges. And yeah, he just gives you know the thumbs up. Paid a lot of money. Yeah, I'm sure he, he's laughing all the way to the bank on those. Yeah, and Bowflex. We can't forget Bowflex because that's a big part of his <laughs> his uh, what was that like the oh two thousand late nineties late nineties yeah. uh, output. Has he done anything like of late recent? I think just like the Expendables. Like I think he was. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, which I didn't even see. I didn't even see the Expendables. No, I didn't either. Mm. It's too much. But the film that we wanted to do for Red Hot '80s Action Summer uh, is Invasion USA, which is uh, one of Chuck Norris's bigger movies, and I've never seen it before. Um, I was actually inspired to do this by um, the uh, really awful podcast guys who really awful movies podcast guys who um did a book called the uh mine's bigger than yours um uh, book of like a hundred weird and crazy action films um wacky action films really and they included invasion usa in that and i was like yeah you know what that sounds like a good idea for red hot uh 80s action summer it just makes sense to do it um, and they had a lot to say about Invasion USA and, and found it a pretty wacky, zany film uh, from Chuck Norris. So I thought, you know what? Let's do it. And I don't think you've ever seen it either, right? No, this I think is... honestly the only Chuck Norris film I've seen is Delta Force. Because mm. they used yeah. to play that all the time on USA. I'm not up on my uh, Chuck Norris films. No. I Big Walker, Texas Ranger guy. 
Mm-hmm. Not a big, you know. I mean, and that in itself is sort of a ironic liking of Walker Texas Ranger. No, it's a beautiful. You don't show. sit down and like you know. I think I'll binge like four episodes today. Why not? <laughs> just, I just get chills every time I think of the song. Is that even streaming anywhere? You know, kind of surprising. Like no one jumped on. That. I mean, people jumped on Hercules could, and Xena. Maybe it's on HBO Max because um, I mean, it did air on WB in US. What? Um, yeah, did it? Was well, it, would that have been syndication? Where, syndication I, on USA. I think it was actually maybe on CBS. So maybe like yeah, some then one of them yeah. got it on. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just surprised that we haven't like seen it pop up. Maybe it is streaming, but um. You know, it's surprise. I actually, you know what I think they do? They probably air it in syndication now on like one of those higher X. channels. Um, not that, but like um, one of those like Comet TV or um, even like some of the upper sci-fi channels that they have and stuff. I feel like they air Walker Texas Ranger. Um, but Invasion USA is a film that uh, you know has its. It definitely is an 80s film. That's what I'll say. It's definitely an 80s film. It has all of the tropes of an 80s action movie what like thrown want, into one. I would say what you want out of your Reagan era film. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, we've got conspiracies from immigrants. We've got uh, ter- like basically no drug, real – got drug dealers. <laughs> drug dealers. you got communists. Yep. you got guerrilla fighters. Yep. Russia, you've got Russia Miami. involved, my Miami, and you've got like a F- really fan boats <laughs> and then in like an uninspired terrorist plot, like it's just like very generic terrorist plot. Like people, terrorists are coming and they mean evil, and that's like <laughs> the that's like the plot of of uh, this film in a nutshell. Like it's just bad stuff is happening. It's gonna gonna happen with terrorists. That's how you know you've got an 80s action movie, and we certainly have that with um, this movie. It's, it, it is pretty much your generic 80s action movie, um, which makes it fun to cover because there's a lot going on in this. And obviously, you have Chuck Norris in here as well, which adds another layer to the irony of whether this film is really good or not. Um, you know, from a, from a film critic's perspective, I probably would not call this movie a good movie. Um, you know, it doesn't have any of the merits that a normal good movie would have. But is it a fun movie to watch? Is what we'll get at when we go through this this episode. And what a beautiful title too, "Invasion USA." Just conjures up so much. Uh, so, how do you feel? Imagery. How do you feel about the "Invasion USA" title having "USA" abbreviated with uh, periods in between? Makes it more emphatic. It does, right? It's like they might as well have just put exclamation points. Like, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I was thinking, I was looking at that, and like it seems very intentional that we've got, you know, like, and now we tend to abbreviate USA with just USA, the letters. But in this one, it's very much like, you know, you don't, you don't mess with us, USA. We've got periods in between our letters just to enunciate everything. Um, so we'll talk about Invasion USA in a little bit um, and get to all of the craziness that ensues with that. But first, we want to take a break and discuss the beer that we have on the show today. It's a little bit of a special beer. It's not technically just a beer. It's a little bit of a hybrid model for the show. Um, 
We've had the Brewer Alma Gang on the show many times before. Probably won't go into them too much. They're from Cooperstown. They're a local uh, brewery, uh, relatively local to us at least. Uh, but they've gone ahead and made a summer lager with black tea. It's a shandy style. And um, we were really interested because we've not really had a like a tea beer infusion that we've loved. There are a couple that we've had previously. Um, and a lot of times what ends up happening is like either the beer overpowers the tea and you don't really get a lot of flavor of the tea. Or the tea ends up being like a kind of a syrupy, um, sugary um, byproduct that kind of takes away from the flavor. That's why I don't like twisted tea. Yeah, way too just like sweet, sweet and yeah. So with Amagang, uh and this beer is called Sleeveless Tea. It's a summer lager with tea, lemon, and natural flavors. A and surprising offering too, because um, they're not known for making lagers. Mm-hmm. Um, what what? So what did you think? You know, based on your experience with other beers and tea combinations before, it's probably my favorite. Um. That being said, it's not it's not a style that I really feel. Like I like shandies. I like the idea and it, it works well mixing like a you know, a lighter beer, whether it be like a Kolsch or a lager, what have you, with like a lemonade and different flavors. Works pretty well. The tea, uh which I do like tea a lot, so it does have like a nice black tea taste to it. It actually does taste like black tea. And it does have like lemon to it, so it's kind of like a nice tastes kind of like a sun, nice sun tea that you li- you know let sit out for a while. Yep. Um, you know, I'd say the tea aspect of it's nice. The lager part isn't really that. There's not really that too much of a beery presence to it. To this beer. So I mean, I, that's kind of a bad thing. And then I'd say also that the fact that the, the back end of the taste is very like you said syrupy. Tastes like just like a water sugar, like you know you're at the end of drinking like you know sweet tea that's homemade, and you're just getting the lumps of the sugar at the end. If that was more muted and wasn't as like syrupy and uh, as sugary at the end, I'd say it'd be really good. But it's still, I think, the best tea beer mix that I've had so far. But overall, as much as I like both, I'd say it's kind of a style that. I'll keep continuing to try to see if, you know, people improve upon it, but it's not something that I have, I would say I'm a fan of overall so far, but I think it's nice, too, to see Gang do something like this and try something new, because we keep bitching about every new night that comes out, but we still drink them, so that's why I was kind of, uh, found this appealing. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is definitely really different for Gang. um... They're calling their line of stuff that they're doing that's like a little bit different. They're calling it the Amagang series, which I mean, you know, doesn't really seem like much because that's their name as well. But um, they're trying something new with a lot of these different beers that they're coming out with because generally Amagang is known as like the Belgian maker, and um, you know, none of these would really be considered Belgiany. You know, sleeveless tea would not be a Belgian style beer at all. Um, but with that said, you know, it does have a really good shandy flavor that you would expect. You know, they, they, they've really matched what you would what you would think you would get from a shandy. Um, and you do get the tea flavor quite a bit. It's quite pronounced, actually. And I think that's a really good thing. Um, 
you do get like an artificial sweetener flavor to it at the end, and that's what really detracts from the taste. Um, and that tends to happen with a lot of shandy. So when you again, like when they say natural flavors, like natural flavors tends to mean like a sweetener, um, something that is not like a real <laughs> a real ingredient. You know, because they say tea and lemon, those are real ingredients. But when you get to natural flavors, that's more so like we for... we've chemically modified this to <laughs> you know to to be included here. Put a little corn syrup, in yeah. There, you know, a little fr- high fructose corn syrup. Yeah, and so you do get that like artificial sweetener flavor to it, and a lot of um, beers are unable to kind of get that out of the flavor profile, um, especially when it comes to sweeter beers like shandies. Um, if you remember when we tried the um, uh, shipyard shandy at the beer fest mm-hmm. and that one had a really distinctive artificial flavor to the end of it yep. um that is something that a lot of beers run into strangely i think narragansett pulled it off pretty well when we had their shandy they did the not really have the artificial no, flavor the there shandy is really good yeah um and so it, it is a common problem i think sleeveless tea has it um minorly it's not it, it's not terrible you do get it at the end, but I think it's pretty drinkable. And, you know, what is this, a four-pack it comes in? Four-pack yeah. of uh, Tallboy. So, you know, for a four-pack, I think you could really power through these in a session. No, I definitely um, could. Like I said, it's de- like, I definitely like it. Like, quit growing on me, but like I said, that, that sh- this sugary is. But then, yeah, this is the first one I've had. Maybe by n- number two, I'll be singing a different tune. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know what? Line and Kugel's Lemon Shandy, mm-hmm. their summer shandy, it's very good, but that also does too at the end. It's very like. You Has know. that little sweetness <clears throat> to it. Yeah. It's hard to get away from if you're using any artificial flavoring in it whatsoever. Because of the limited flavor pr- uh, profile on like lemon and tea, you know, they're not super strong. It's not going to take away from the sweetness. If you got an artificial sweetener, and in I it. do like the fact that um, because it is black tea, it is like nice and bitter. Like yeah, it's def- you know definitely that nice earthy you know like nice rich tea. Like when you're kind of sick and you need to clean up, like you know yeah, you, that's like it does have that. It's like almost a little bit uh, peppery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that does a lot of things right, um, and you know just a couple things wrong. I definitely like it and i would probably do uh, get it again um you know at least for like a summer outdoor session something like that i think it would be pretty tasty um you know i think they could improve on the recipe a little bit but other than that you know it's it's good and it had a different um experiment for them and I, th- I think for the most part it worked out um you know i'd be curious to see what else they come out with um in this Gang series that's different from their norm I'd like to see him just do a straight up regular lager. See what that's like. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. Yep. All right, it's our beer talk. So let's move on to getting into the nitty gritty about Invasion USA. The first thing I want to talk about, bring up, ask you: How did you feel when you saw the wind whipping through Chuck Norris's hair while he was on that fan boat right at the beginning of the movie? How did you feel? What? What? Kind of shivers went through your body. I was more entranced by the beautiful Canadian tuxedo he was wearing throughout this entire film. Absolutely. Tight, tight denim. And I'm pretty sure even the poster itself draws attention, says, hey, you're getting a Chuck Norris movie? You're getting a fucking Canadian tuxedo. Not only that, a Canadian tuxedo that is unbuttoned from the waist up. It's hot in the Everglades. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. How can you wrangle an alligator? With your uh, shirt 
tucked in and buttoned up. You can't. Fuck. Actually, you know what, though? His shirt is fucking tucked in. He's got it tucked in and unbuttoned. That's that's a combo that I don't know if I've ever tried to rock before. Only a real man can actually pull that off. No, his mullet is pretty nice and nice. It's, you know, nicely quaffed. And- it is. Like, at the beginning of the film, when he's on that fan boat, and the wind is blowing it back, it's like just like majestic. Woo, my goodness. Look at that red hair, buddy. Beautiful. Beautiful. Perfectly grown mustache, and then, you know, with the deep five o'clock shadow. I mean, you can tell that Chuck Norris was involved in the writing of this movie. Because at every turn, Chuck Norris, the character, is the focal point. Like, there's a reporter character in this movie that has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. But you know what she does? She gives him the eye later on and says, you know what? I would probably fuck Chuck Norris. Calls him cowboy. Yeah, absolutely. And she has no bearing on the plot at all. Doesn't matter. There's a lot of people in this film that have no bearing. In fact, fact, the first half hour of this film has, like, no bearing on the plot. I mean, the reporter is the one that stuck out to me most because I was thinking, like, throughout most of the movie – Hey, you know what? It's kind of interesting. Chuck Norris has like no love interest in this. And like a lot of times in action movies, you got the love interest that's like, you know, oh, he's doing it for her. You know, there's it, it happens in like there's the un His love is for America. That's right. Yeah. And, and I was thinking freedom. You know what? It's kind of interesting that Chuck Norris doesn't have a love interest. And then bam, all of a sudden this reporter chick comes in and she's like giving him the sultry eye. And oh, he's got a man to chase down. That's this, right. This film has very under uh homoerotic undertones. <laughs> he's the one that got away yeah rostov it, is and that's the that's the main idea and that's is that why like, he can't sleep at night he's tossing absolute, they're both restless the whole him shooting him in the face that that's a metaphor for chuck norris blowing his load on well him. i'm pretty sure that the <laughs> final rpg whip out at the end is got to be phallic imagery i mean there's no other <laughs> there's no other case to make for it um which that also is a failed opportunity like they kind of do like very small hints there of like the, their past they should have actually done like okay so how does chuck because chuck's a former cia agent and he's run into rostov before and actually show like okay so like what, what was chuck what happened yeah, yeah what, what why chuck <laughs> sneaking just... up on him and being like i got you bitch yeah we should actually stop calling chuck norris by chuck norris and refer to him by the proper name of invasion usa which is mad hunter because there's no more on-the-nose element than having a guy who's named Hunter who's literally hunting down a guy. I, the, Invasion USA was written for people who do not understand, like, any nuance. metaphor or nuance. Nu- nuance. Yeah, it was just like, this guy's named Hunter. He's going after another guy. Well, I'll give him props because at least, like, usually, like, it'd be, it'd be like John Hunter. <laughs> yeah, right. John would be. You know, yeah. every fucking at least his name so, is Sly Stallone film, he's, you know... John Rambo, you know, just they, you know, put it in there, you know. So I get yeah. the prospect. Like, at least yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> at least it wasn't John. Yeah. Um, the whole thing is put in motion because, you know, Rostov is back, and he's leading a team of, uh, mercs basically who are trying to take over Miami. They're infiltrating Miami. And causing a race war um, that has also tar- tried to target Matt Hunter. 
because Rostov knows Matt Hunter is still alive and says, you know what? You got to put a hit out on Matt Hunter because we're not going to get any of this invasion shit done unless we actually take out Matt Hunter. It's the most poorly planned like idea. It is because like, like, just like there's okay. a whole bunch of like executives that are probably th- going around thinking like, all right, how are is, we going to do this invasion? Well, is he is is Rostov rogue? Like mm-hmm. is he not is he not actually like an operative of the Soviet Union or like is like the Kremlin back home? Like what the fuck is he? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. And and you've got all these people, <laughs> these leaders that are involved, like Nico as well. Is like sort Drug of drug lord. Yeah. He's just involved. You know? He's involved. And like so, what was the plan? Right. So Rostov's like Matt Hunter's around. You're starting this invasion. We got to take him out before. So they're all. It's all happening at the same time. They're trying to take out Hunter with an execution. They're trying to start this invasion. Like poor planning on all of these executives' parts. Like at least get an agenda going here. You know, uh, one week we'll take out Hunter. The next week we start the invasion. I just like the fact that it's like you know, what do you? What would you estimate that they have land at this version of Bay of Pigs? <laughs> Like what would it be like a thousand men they had land there? Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much. And they much, packed yeah. up into like twenty pack mules and then <laughs> sent them off into Miami. Yeah. So what? They're supposed to spread dissidents by doing terrorist acts and then work their way all throughout the United States to because America's got problems. They're weak. They haven't been invaded in two hundred years. They're like less effective Mormons. <laughs> they're go. They're going around disciples spreading. In this case, terrorism, um, blowing up like suburban homes that are celebrating Christmas in Miami. By the way, we missed out on doing this for Festivus. <laughs> Didn't realize it was also a Christmas movie. Very festive. Um, and so they're going around, you know, doing these terrorist acts and just kind of like shooting up random places. Well, you have to throw in Christmas. That's how you know we, we're beating the the uh, heathen communist uh, <laughs> atheist out there. <laughs> It's really interesting that, you know, like many of the 80s action movies tended to be set around Christmas for whatever reason. But can we, we covered First Blood, set around Christmas. Leave the weapon. Die hurt. This one. Gonna make it there? Yeah. Got, got the hiccups. Got the, got the tea hiccups. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just like such a ridiculous idea because they're not covert about it at all. They're literally just driving up in trucks, <laughs> yeah, RPGing blocks, and like, Who's doing this terror? And it's like, are the Miami Dade police that inept? They can't fucking. Tr- they, they literally like obliterate a whole cold sack, and like, <laughs> and no one's like, no one knows, like, oh, you know. Right, and that's the thing about um, Invasion USA that is a, a, so ridiculous is that Matt Hunter is basically like they they keep coming to Matt Hunter. The CIA <laughs> keeps coming back and like, you gotta help us. We got to take out Rostov. It's like you don't have anybody else on the team at the CIA that can do this job. No, they're too busy in Afghanistan at this point helping out the Mujahideen <laughs> take out the Soviets. So. It's like they're 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 a little and down in Central America <laughs> dealing with guerrillas and you know funding them like, and dictatorships. What's going on with your training? Where you've got no other person, you got to go to Matt Hunter. Who's if you knew it, American history, you would know he was the only one left. They absolutely. were all sowing seeds of destruction in Latin America. And you got to feel bad because Matt Hunter, he's just trying to live out his life. He's trying to wrangle alligators. He's Why trying, was he wrangling an alligator? For? I have no idea. Was he going to eat it? No, he wasn't <laughs> going to eat it because later John Eagle, the Indian mysticism man that you get in every Chuck Norris, uh, offers him some frogs. Uh, yeah, he's frog like, legs. You want him fried? You want, uh, want barbecue? Boil? Barbecue? You, get, you know, you get to choose. <laughs> but 
that's probably my favorite part of this film because I just again I, it just cracks me up like Chuck Norris no he's a regular guy he thinks about other people look he's always got his token Native American friend on set he's to just like, you to, know. Be, to be like yes I'm here to give a uh, wisdom and you know that Matt Hunter's a regular guy he's helping wrangle he's uh, chopping know, wood. Chopping, yeah, exactly. He's chopping a, wood with a chainsaw. What an un- unnecessary, like, five-minute set is watching him, you know, start a chainsaw up <laughs> and start, you know, cutting. Hey, he you just know, chops wood, you know? Just, That's you know, limbing that tree. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, like I said, the, uh, not the first 30 minutes, but literally the first 15 to 20 minutes of this film are just like a string of random scenes with no flow, no, no rhyme or reason. You go from, you know... Max Zorin in this film, blowing away the Cubans in, on the, in the ocean. Then to, here's Chuck Norris on a fan boat. And then, yep. here's and, some cops with a reporter. Then here's Chuck Norris eating a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, there is, like the beginning of it, there's really no rhyme or reason to a lot of the stuff that's going on. And the only thing that really makes a difference is, you know, it's Matt Hunter who is, you know, put... He's put into motion because his mentor or whatever, whatever John Eagle is supposed to be to him, is murdered in a execution. And he's it's becomes a revenge story, and as you said, it's basically like a death wish story at that point. And he's literally not he's a vigilante meets he's Bronson meets uh Michael Myers because he keeps you know, just, ding, you know, sneaking up on, like, his yeah. brain and taking him out. And that's the other thing, too, is, like, he just tends to be everywhere. Like, in the, sh- the film, does not go into detail about, like, how, how does he get here? How big is Miami? How, how did he know? <laughs> you know, how did he know that they were here? He's got the fastest truck in all of Miami. Just, you know, yeah. zipping from. Yeah, the film never goes into that. Like, he just suddenly appears in places and, you know, he's. This is actually all a fever dream. He's all just believing it because he's all—he's too hot and tired, and he's been up for you know thirty-six hours straight. He doesn't know what's going on anymore. And you know, Matt Hunter—he has like—he obviously knows that he's—he's he's this capable. He, you know, because there's a—he exudes a confidence later on in the film that's just like he has no qualms about just going in and doing this uh, in solo and taking on everybody. He doesn't do partners. Absolutely not. This is alone. Well, like, you know what? They, no wonder why he's retired, because if he was in Central America wearing that Canadian tuxedo trying to take out the fucking gorillas down there, they'd spot him from a mile away because, you know, he's walking around with his abs out and his mullet. Yeah. Just, you know, looking like, you know, like a god. So, my first question here has to do with the invasion specifically. What is the plan once they invade Miami. Like, is the expectation that they're just going to, like, go throughout the rest of the country being able to do this with, like, no intervention? You know, the the CIA is just going to be like, well, we didn't stop him in Miami, so I guess we'll just let him proliferate everywhere. Um, I just don't understand what the actual plan ends up being because the, the, the movie doesn't really explain it. Like, it doesn't explain what their ultimate goal is. They just want to start a race for, you know, what, what is, and, and why is there a Russian involved with this scenario? It, Don't forget the media is spreading lies. Absolutely. There's yeah. a point they threw in there for like, you know, 
three major news outlets. They're not saying, you know, CBS, NBC, and ABC because they would have been sued. But, you know, and you're like, yeah, the three outlets are telling you lies, you know. People and can't it, trust you. As you said, this is really like a conspiracy-laden thing that something like Tucker Carlson would spread about, you know. I'm just asking questions, but why is this going on? Why are white people being attacked? What are we going to do about that? I think we're starting to start a race war. You should feel upset about that. Don't you? I'm just asking questions. It's definitely like a red scare sort of thing that you've got going on here. That Well, I mean, it is, I will say it's kind of a, cra- it's a crafty idea. I don't think the film executes it or gives it enough credence. Like the whole, like, the way to, like, how would you attack America? How would I attack America? Like, how would you invade, like, if you were going to plot the downfall of America, how would you plot the downfall of America? Obviously, a land invasion or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's stupid and foolhardy. There's too too much land. Wherever you're coming from or whatever would be, you know. Right. You can't just expect to take, like, a coastline. It'd be... Because it'd be, it's, it's, you're basically blockading yourself in. It'd be like trying to either invade, like, China or Russia. It's a futile attempt because you've yeah. got so many people, so much land and resources, blah, 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 to cover. You have to so the, spread it. So the idea would be, well, you'd have to subvert them. How would you do that? Well, what issues does America have? And you could bring up, like, you know race issues and all that kind of right. stuff and make that be like, all right, then subvert that and make, you know. Yeah. And, and, and so you start it from the inside and you start a very, you know, virulent spread of it. You start it and you start it quietly too. You don't go in and like just blast bay of, people yeah, in a uh, pig style. Yeah, from, you know, you don't just go in and just blast up the suburbs and blow up a house because clearly, you know, a gang war is not RPGing like suburban houses yeah. or something like that. So, like, that's a nifty idea, and it's like a, it, again, it's a that's a, like a Tucker Carlson conspiracy idea. Because how would you, if well, if I was like foreign intelligence, that's what you would want to do, right? But at the same time, I'm not going to give it any credence in this film because the film's not smart enough right. to elaborate. Because again, exactly, everyone in this film's a fucking machine gunning idiot. Yeah, the whole last thirty minutes where the fight's going on, you got assholes who are the people storming the area nobody in sight but they're just firing their guns into the sky like you know like <laughs> yeah they only gave us two round you know two magazines of ammo but you know just let them off are, in the building are Who you really shit? are you really a terrorist without firing a gun into the sky willy-nilly i mean you know i don't think you can call yourself a terrorist if you don't do that but yet you're right there is no nuance to it you know as you were saying yeah if they had done that that might be more realistic. Be you like start a, from be, the inside. It'd be and a, kinda, cerebral, a cerebral yeah. film. Like, you know, you'd be like watching like the conversation or something. Because, you know, we we have proof that, the, I mean, that does happen in some ways. That we have, you know, infiltration where in that this is called more like cult-like activity. But you have cult-like activity that spreads and then, you know, becomes something of a, you know, it latches on. And then it works from the inside out. And you start to spread that um you know, that message, and it becomes more of an issue. Uh, this film does not go into that, and it certainly does not get into the, you know, the minimalism that would be required of that. It really goes um, as full volume as it possibly can uh, right from the beginning. So you have, like, a, you know, a mass murder of a boat of immigrants coming over from Cuba. They weren't immigrants. They were smuggling drugs. Drug smugglers. And Because, as we know, Cuba... Hotbed of cocaine, you know, uh, production. Yeah. Uh, nothing the communists love more than uh, drugs. <laughs> uh, so that's, you know. But I do like, you know, like they come and they, 
oh, there's a boat. And you got the kid like, oh, yeah, America, America, and, and you got that like tense standoff, like, which one should have been like a sign from them, like things aren't right. The Coast Guard have like a fucking welcoming party. No, well, not, no, no. Well, I mean, they have an M60 on the yeah. fucking uh, the <laughs> yeah. boat. I don't think they go running around gunning down, you know, <laughs> Cuban it, yeah. uh, rafts or something. So that's, I mean, but they got that tense stand down. Then you got Bienvenidos, America. Mm-hmm. Cubanos, like, ah, we're saying that they get merciless. It's kind of, it's, it's funny because it's just so fucking. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and you know, it's just like so over the top villainous. Like you know? Invasion USA really does have a lot of those like um, manipulative moment moments. I mean, you can't have an action movie with ultimate terrorists without having a school bus full of children being threatened by a bomb, um, which this movie has. With a bomb that gets gives you like a generous 180 seconds to, uh, you know, get free of the blast zone, um, th- you know, th- this film is not afraid to use those exploitative tactics. Um, what the, would what have what would have been the goal of bombing? Bunch of children. Yeah, I mean, it's a sad thing. I don't know. I mean, I guess you, the parents thought by shipping you out of Miami, you'd be free. The idea is, Tough. I guess, to just spread terror and. You know, there are some, um, you know, I I watched a good documentary on Netflix about the spread of uh, like a cult from England and stuff like that, that may or may not have influenced Charles Manson in the 70s. And it basically it was random acts of violence and Son of Sam may have been been involved in that as well. Um, Again, that would require a lot more nuance that there was something behind the scenes going on that was much more, you know, small, small level than you know bombing children on a school bus um but i can see where they were going with that that like yeah you can somewhat spread fear by terrorism random acts of terrorism so maybe that was the ultimate intent of blowing up a school bus full of children but in this film it doesn't really go anywhere besides you know chuck norris was able to save them uh in a very heroic method had a great one-liner yeah exactly you lost this (laughs) Yeah, and the film is like I said, it's it's pretty exploitative in the way that it uses those things. It's not done for, you know, real. What I would say is like real suspense. It's more so like you know Chuck Norris is going to come in and save the day. How can you call them RPGing a whole cul-de-sac in the suburbs when little Tammy's out there putting a putting a star on a Christmas tree? Yeah, well, just a little bit exploitative in that sense. Which, by the way. What a time to be alive. They let the little girl just run outside, go up like a seven-foot ladder, unsupervised, put a star on, and she'll be fine. <laughs> so you're saying it was their fault that she no, ended that, up yeah, getting that, blown that, up by yeah, a... it's a message. Yeah. Well, no, that's the other thing, too. Fucking, they, all those homes get absolutely annihilated by like one or two rockets, but the they got people coming out of there fine and dandy and like kind of stuff. She survived. She was stumped. I mean, I don't think she died. She got carried off, but she was intact. Yeah. She didn't have, like, her limbs torn asunder. We didn't see, like, a pic, like, her in her, like, bed and then, like, you know, you know, being annihilated. <laughs> it's true. Which, right. ma- which makes the point moot, you know, but I mean. Yes. I mean, still exploitative using children, but especially when you know that they're going to be, like, most of them are going to be okay with the, with the school bus tactic. It's just. You know, it's like suspense without suspense. 
that whole mall part, I was just thinking of where was the warm side of the door to play. Right. You know, it's like that guy's like, hey, you forgot. Yeah, don't you love the mall part where he's pursuing this guy who's like, hey, you forgot your package. The guy is clearly ignoring you. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, man, you forgot your package. Like, Followed he, it like seven yeah, stores down. Like, it's hilarious. Like, he's just <laughs> acting like, you know, this guy is just not hearing me. And what a creepy guy, too, because like, oh, like his, he's with his, his wife, girlfriend, uh, possibly a uh, side snatch because oh, side snatch. he looks like you know an old well, yeah, he's she like looks, probably like 60 and she's like 25 yeah and, yeah, and, and um like her like her his assistant or something because he looks very dressed you know mm-hmm. and they're like oh that perfume smells great and he's like yeah, i was thinking about getting her a nightgown <laughs> <laughs> doesn't that just sound creepy even if it's like best intentions even if it's, like, yeah, it's like, even if it's your uh your assistant right like your secretary you're going shopping with your secretary for your wife for a nightgown? Or any, no, just saying in general, be like, oh, we're going to get her. I'm going to get her a nightgown. Just comes off as unsavory. Just like, uh, it's a little lecherous. <laughs> well, how about like, like, like a bath bomb? Like, you know, just like, here you go. Here's a bath I don't bomb. know if they had bath bombs back then. We're now, I guess, more and less environmentally conscious. <laughs> a lot of the bath bombs have like this glitter that goes into the landfill. You know, except for um, Lush, which is supposed to be all natural. Going off on a tangent about bath bombs. <laughs> Ryan's an experienced bath bomb. That's right. I've uh, done a lot of research on bath bombs. Um, so if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast <laughs> and giving us something to try out. That's right. Um, hey, I would try out a bath bomb for sure. No, I would too. What was the whole point of the little kid walking around like a little shit and then like in the mall yeah and then spinning his gum out and throwing it at that nice new nissan pickup truck yeah i kind of missed that um i feel like i missed something because i was like is this kid like involved in the spread like like with the present but he actually wasn't and then the cop seemed very aware of this young child being alone in the mall and I don't know. It never ended up being like anything, right? It didn't really make a difference whatsoever. Maybe it was just like I think just a distraction. Yeah, 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 distracts the the police officer so he doesn't see them putting Stop. down the the mall security guard. Exactly. I'm sorry, Paul Blart. Yeah, there you go. They're not. Yeah, not I, real, I said police officer. Not real police officer. You're not a. Your profession <laughs> isn't real. <laughs> just imagine, like, the, remember the guys that used to be posted outside the movieplex, and you'd be like, "What? Yeah, come on." You're not intimidating anyone. Yeah, but like, why? Like, who, why? For who? For who? And for what? <laughs> <laughs> Just play the high pitch sounds and get the kids out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, I have a few, uh, another few questions to pose about Invasion USA. Go for it. Another one was involves the mall scene. Why does Matt Hunter insist on using two Uzis when they do not fit the job? You would think a CIA, CIA operative who knows, you know, the profession and has been on multiple jobs, he's like, I got to get prepared for the job, right? So, you know, if, if it's going to involve long-range weaponry, I'm going to bring long-range weaponry. I'm going to bring an assault rifle. If it involves short-range weaponry, I'm going to bring an Uzi or two, I guess. You know, I don't know how many people carry two Uzis, but but – Generally, you do not go into a situation where you're a football field away with two Uzis because it just seems like an unnecessary, um, I don't know, like it, it, it's just not going to work out well. And in this film, you can actually see sometimes, and I don't know if this is, it seems like it's a goof, but when Chuck is actually firing off, 
you see the the uh, blanks going off. It looks like it's going into like the fountain right in front of him because he actually goes behind like he ducks behind a fountain or something like that, like a barrier. And you can actually see like the the flashes looks like it's going into the to the fountain. So he's not this Uzi situation is not working out very well. Well, they died. Yeah, I mean, he still did the job, I guess, but it was not the right weaponry for the situation. You know, Boy Scout motto, be prepared. I would argue Chuck Norris was not prepared for this situation. You want to look with a handgun and a knife, like with a silencer, and like you know, just stealthily taking these people out. Not right. You don't want to going in making a scene. And yeah, not only that, but you're in a fucking populated mall, so he's got two Uzi just. At least in police story, you know they weren't armed. They were armed with their fist. Mm -hmm. You know, right, right. Here, you know, it's in that scenario, you were not the hero putting other people in danger. In this situation, he's fucking got two Uzis. Hell, just, just think spamming. about it. When Charles Bronson is going around in Death Wish, he's doing it in back alleys, in parks at night, when there's not people around except, except his people he's going to kill. Yeah. Chuck Norris doesn't give a shit. And you're, Ch- in America, you're free to live and you're free to die. I also and like... If you're, if, if you're, and if you're going to, you know... If you die in that fight against communism, your death was worth it because, god damn it, when he got done mowing down like half of that army in that mall, he stopped at Wetzel's Pretzels, <laughs> got himself some pretzel bites, and it, then stopped at Orange Julius. And- in that same scene, though, he uh, grabs the, you know, he grabs a car, and um, the reporter jumps in with him, and they're driving just around together. Mustang, she, the she, random she, Mustang, just you know, yeah, she just fucking also, jumps in. Also, too, what? What an asshole! <laughs> but funny too. The when they're getting away in the pickup truck, they grab the one chick by her hair and hold her. Yeah, out. Just, just, just holding her out the window. One like how's her like her like it like her her scalp doesn't separate. Yeah, like it, you I know, know, it's just miraculous. And then it's I mean it's a really funny scene though because it just it's so ridiculous. You just have to enjoy it. I don't know. You just have to step back and say, you know, realism aside. And I, then again, like, the, with the reporter showing up, it's just like, she's just there to be like, assholes! Bullshit! That's, a, that's the thing. I don't that's all, really that's all understand she, why the reporter is here. To yell about the First Amendment. Why she is in the mall scene. You know, wh- <laughs> I just don't... Just, it just she's just like she's just that stereotypical I'm gonna get the story no matter what. There's like she's stepping over yeah. dead bodies like with her Nikon, I'm like, yep, take the pictures. But I feel like Like what like what kind of like journalist does she does she work for the Miami Herald? Like is she like work for a local news channel? Because she does the pictures, so obviously she doesn't write the stories. Like, what does she do? Is she like Nat the, Geo. You know, is she the Peter Parker going, you know, to t- turn into you know, JK Simmons? You're like, damn it, I want Spider Man pictures, not this bullshit. Yeah, I don't understand the reporter's role here because it ends up not mattering whatsoever, and they don't put, they don't do any characterization for her except just yell goddamn it and like yeah, a bunch of so I, I, like that's why it's you know it's super pointless to have her in this movie at all. Like you could completely excise that character and it would not matter at all. It would not make a difference. And the film is already an hour and forty-seven minutes long. Oh god, so. You certainly don't need additional characters added to this movie. It's a taxing. It life. could definitely be an easy ninety-minute breeze. You don't. You don't need this hour and forty-seven-minute bullshit. Well, and especially as you mentioned, because a lot of that time is devoted to Rostov having fucking 
uh, you know, sweat and do- sweat nightmares about Matt Hunter. And that is not really what you want from a compelling villain. You don't want the villain to wake up in a cold sweat saying, oh, fuck, the protagonist is coming after me. Um, you want the villain to seem imposing, like he's a threat to, to our protagonist. Not that he can be easily vanquished and he's, he's like basically having he, his assholes clenched thinking like, well, if I come in contact with Matt Hunter, I'm done. So, you know. <laughs> the whole Invasion USA plant was gone awry because he divi- diverts, you know, squads to try to take out Matt Hunter and they, he just kills them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and. Where was he during Vietnam? We would have won the war. Absolutely. Know, I mean, he's the only man take, you need for any job. To take on the Viet Cong. You know, he would have done it alone. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's another issue with the movie is that, like, you can't have, you can't have Rostov, the villain, who's, you know, having terrors about your protagonist. You, you want to, like, there's never a time where you feel like Matt Hunter cannot achieve the end goal here. No, because he's, he's the unstoppable force. I mean, maybe... Maybe the idea, like, and again, that's why I said Chuck Norris, you can clearly tell, he wrote this movie. There's fucking... All right, Chuck, you're gonna get shot here. No, I'm not. Exactly. <laughs> like, there's never a time where you're like, this man is not capable of succeeding this mission. It's just, it, you know, and I th- I would argue, you know, sometimes that can make for a fun action movie because it's just like, yeah, he's an unstoppable force. But at the same time, it really takes away from any, you know tension that the film could possibly have because you're ne you're never really thinking like oh he's not you know he's not gonna succeed he's he's this is dangerous for him yeah just con- compare it and contrast it with a police story jackie chan gets his ass beat yeah and you're you're all you're right too with it being like almost slasher like with michael because at the end of the film there is that scenario where like chuck he's norris kind of is stalk- like he's yeah he's stalking him in like a slasher it, it, it has the cues too, like, like yeah. It has like the yeah. It's almost like a slasher, except backwards. It's like our protagonist <laughs> is now the slasher that we're rooting for to murder Rostov and obliterate, literally obliterate him out a window, um, spreading his body parts all over the place with an <laughs> RPG. Um, it's, <laughs> it's <just> excessive. So <laughs> excessive. It would be the word I would use for it's it. It's just so stupid. Just. <laughs> It's so great, but just so stupid. Just <laughs> yeah, I know. It is, it's... it's the same thing, too. It's like, uh, Nico, like, running around with, like, his fucking pistol. He's got, like, these, like, two different, like, scopes on it or some <laughs> shit. Like, for for who and for what? And, like, why do they kill the two people having sex on the beach? Like, I mean, cause they were there when they were going to land. That was kind of, like, a pointless, you know. Because they're minutes. bad people. That's what I'm talking about. They're just having 80s sex. movie, they're bad people. And that's how you know. They Maybe just, they all just wanted to have some nice, authentic Cuban sandwiches, because I go for mm, Cuban right now. Or Cuban espresso. Mm. Maybe they want one of those. Same thing, too. The poor fucks fixing the armored trucks. Hey, you got the sports page? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. They're getting Pouring a nice coffee. little coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then blown away. <laughs> just... There was actually a really good shot, though. Of the behind the desk, the guy sitting at the desk, and, and it just blows inward. Yeah, yeah, that was a good shot. Um, I did like that. That was like sort of artistic, and it's 
you know, in the way that they shot that. But other than that, yeah, you do feel bad for those guys. The guy didn't even get to touch his cup of coffee. He's been working on this armored well, car. Th- and that one asshole, too, fucking pours it like a shit. He's like fucking got it all over the place. So he's pouring that thermos. I also was surprised at the dainty cups that they had. They're like, like almost weird. like, like cup and shallow, saucer. Sh- yeah, shallow as shit, but like wide as hell. It's like they had like, yeah, like cat saucer bowls. Nice, like, little, nice little dainty, uh. Dainty cups there that they had at that nice that place. traditional eighties thermos, late you know early nineties thermos, like yep. big thick you know. Yeah. What did what did, so the action? What what do you think of the action in this film? Um, I mean, I think it's it's all right. It, it like we said, it's somewhat excessive in some areas, but. You know, I think the opening scene is pretty surprising, so I'll give it that. Um, the uh, later scenes, like the uh, scene with the tanks and the the National Guard that's you know shooting at the um, the uh, uh, what you call it, like the gorillas. the gorilla war, yeah, the the gorillas. Um, it seems a little ridiculous because you would not really expect the National Guard to be pinned down in that scenario. Like they've got the gorillas pinned down against a wall i mean there's no other you know there's no other scenario that can play out here you've got like 15 tanks in the vicinity um there there should be no issue with taking out these gorillas in this area so um but i think i mean i think the the action is shot pretty well um you know I, i don't know that much stands out um Except for maybe a couple of the car explosions um, are pretty good. You know, obviously we've got an 80 movie, 80s movie, so car explosions are the norm here. Um, I think the bus scene was shot pretty well, you know, um, pre-speed. I just like the fact, too, that when when it came to the car bomb, like, they throw the bomb on instead of speeding off, they're like... Yeah, we got yeah, it. We're just like, like we'll hang le- around on le- the freeway. Leisurely gonna go down the freeway as Chuck's, you know, coming up like, you know <laughs> like the fucking headless horseman <laughs> grips yeah. the bomb and just like you forgot this sticks it on, they get blown in. It's fucking great, but just like I just love the idea, like, yeah, we suck it instead of like try, you know Trying to get out of there, yeah. yeah. Like, oh yeah, oh hey, the ball game's on. Yeah, you know, let's, let's, you know. <laughs> have a leisurely pace as we get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I think other than that, I mean, the action is is pretty good, and this is that's really the reason why you're probably going to watch Invasion USA is for the action. I mean, you're obviously not going to watch it for the plot. There's really not anything there. Um, it's not, you know, it. I would I would still say, even though that it is a ridiculous movie, it's still fairly fun. It could definitely be you used like 15 minutes of editing, at least, um, because it is unnecessarily long. But the action scenes are not. Um, what I would call like the the film's worst parts. Um, I would wh- say it's it's excessive. Yeah, it's okay. I don't think anything that was choreographed well. Mm-hmm. Like the, some of the parts where you got Chuck kicking and punching, like is not good. Like and they, and they, it's not shot well, so you can see what the hell's happening. You see the guy fly afterwards. <laughs> Which is like a damn shame because you have a legitimate martial artist and Chuck Norris, and you're not gonna actually have... choreograph it well. With yeah, the, yeah. And I think it's a missed opportunity too. There wasn't a lot of like actual fisticuffs. Yeah, it's mostly gun stuff. Like I said, like... would have been great, you know, to actually see him like you know fucking hip tossing and fucking crescent kicking people, you know, <laughs> in the face, you know. Yeah. Um, but I do think like like you know the whole 
I do like the action, the opening, like the whole, that was, you know, like a nifty little thing, just them mowing down the poor Cuban refugees. And then I think the <laughs> the assault on the Chateau de uh, Hunter in the Everglades, that's just <laughs> fucking ridiculous. They launch rockets into his little <laughs> hut and blow it to shit. And you get the slow, he jumps out. The and slow-mo just... diving through the window. <laughs> That is some and foresight to just be like, why know, is that oh. armadillo there too? Like, <laughs> yeah. Is that his pet armadillo? Is his pet armadillo? Or whatever. He, he gives him a look like early on, and it's like, yeah, man, this armadillo is awesome. You know, no, no, you know, it's so weird. But I mean, I do like the like them coming in on the fan boats. That's like pretty cool. And then they blow away poor Johnny Eagle. But I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about the armadillo, but that is so that is right. It's just a random, just like, like yeah, he's got an armadillo. It's his pet. I don't know, or maybe it's just there. He's like, John Eagle says armadillos are good luck, <laughs> good omens. <laughs> um, uh, the whole also, <laughs> why the hell does Rostov shoot people in the balls? He literally assassinates a few people by grabbing them and lifting their <laughs> yes. pants up and like dick shit, like capping them. In the Again, dick it's three another times. phallic imagery. It's the phallic imagery Very, and then, of him being handicapped unless he actually has sex with Matt Hunter. I'm telling you, like, yeah, it's very homoerotic undertones, but. Yeah. I mean, so what about, too, like. I think this film inspired the Joker shoving the pencil into the guy's head. That is because, a good scene. That is it. Because the chick's yeah. do, doing lines the, of coke, the coke and, yeah. and he just fucking I forgot slams about that, but that is a really good scene. And slams then, her head into, and she's that, bleeding, like, you know. Like, ah, and, and I'll and say, I, again, though we said that Rostov is not really a villain that you are afraid of. You know, it's not really suspenseful. That scene, that scene, and the an opening scene are really good. If they had not really gone with the whole, you know, he has night terrors about uh, <laughs> Chuck Norris. Yeah, um, then be, I think those scenes would have made him much more cold compelling. Blood, yeah, yeah, because that that is a good scene where he just comes in and he's like, you know, he just beats up the uh, the one guy and shoves that girl through a window, so just like yeets her. yeets her right out. Um, I, that was a good scene. And I wish they had gone with more of that for Rostov because I feel like later on they kind of go back on that and they make him into more of a, you know, cowed person than he should be. What the hell was up with the whole Chuck Norris, like, stopping at, like, fucking Confederate titty bars and dealing with motorcyclists? <laughs> yeah, I did. Like, that whole bit where he stops in and the guy's like, you can't go nowhere. I thought, like, maybe he's going to go to buy guns or something. And the yeah. Guy, like, you know, it's like... No, he, there's no looking or whatever. You gotta make, you know. Hmm. And he just beats, you know. I have no idea. He was like, and, was like on the and, search for Rostov. And I guess just um, off of that, and it's like, what the hell is that? You know? <laughs> Dude, why, why did he do that? I don't know. <laughs> just because, you know, he has morals too. So if he's gonna go buy a titty bar, he's gonna make sure that those women are treated appropriately. I love how shoehorned in that fucking church scene is. Fit, you know, the place Miami's on lockdown. And you see three a mother, a father, and her daughter running. Where are they going to escape to? Are they going home? No. <laughs> They're going to church. That's right. What would you do? And then do? what's what's gonna happen? The godless commies are gonna blow it up. What would you do if you Chuck like uh foils their plot by cutting the wires like you forgot something and then he throws the bomb down hot wires it and they blow up and die. Cause this is America and we love God. I love they were it. passionately singing the you know singing 
hymns. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it would again. It wouldn't be a a nice red scare movie without good church going folk. And it's just so fucking funny. But I think it was a Catholic church too, and that's not very American. Hmm. We're a God fearing Protestant country, despite what those Irish might want you to think. It is, you know, it's it's really funny to watch this movie and see like all of the, you know, very Republican values at play here. That that you know we they'll I don't know I guess they yeah they were they were during this time as well, but you know they're very enunciated now. Where you you look at it and you're like oh oh wow. These are Republican values at play here. It's just, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, and a lot of action movies have that too. You know, they, they, they're very much rooted in conservatism. Well, the whole, whole vigilante genre is, you know. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's rooted in, you know. Because, I mean, again, as much as I love Death Wish and we talked about it in the, fil- in the film, it's the whole, you know, which... I'm pretty sure I said during the film, like, I can understand why, because, like, you know, his point of view of why he want, goes the vigilante route, mm-hmm. but it's that whole backlash against, like, these people, you know. I was once a bleeding heart liberal, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was a conscientious objector in Korea, and then, you know, Obviously. Jeff Goldblum raped my wife, and I <laughs> couldn't take it anymore and started blowing them all away, like, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's something you can get with, but again, the whole, again, because like the whole, the whole idea, what's going to stop a bad guy with a gun? Good guys with guns. That's right. And That's then. Pretty much what this movie's about. This this film does also have a great, um, great, you know, police brutality. They just roll up. I mean, granted, it's the, it's the Russians that roll up and then fucking just shotgun away a nice, you know, Cuban party. So dissent why, like. When the cops really do come, they get really angry and stone them to go away. I was, uh, <laughs> I watched that scene and I was like, why doesn't the cops just back up far enough where they can't get stoned and get out with their, you know, their loudspeaker and say, hey, we didn't do this? I'm like, why are you throwing rocks at us? Well, no one's, no one's saying, like, what happened. And they're like, ah, oh, you asked, you know. Yeah, the pl- police are just like, fuck it, I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't get paid enough to deal with this, this is bullshit. A bad part. And then and yeah, you have this... the classic, Chuck's just driving through Miami, and he hits every fucking, like, asshole in town when he's going down that one road. Like, got, like, the black guy, I'd be like, fuck you! And then, oh, like, yeah, the, the yeah. punks be like, fuck you! I was you. a little confused with that. I was like, what the, like, what did he do? <laughs> and, then the, <laughs> and then the Protestants, fuck you! I mean, the prostitutes, fuck you! What did he do, Ryan? He was white. I guess so. He was a white middle-aged man in America that he doesn't recognize anymore. In a fucking That's... truck. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, what happened? Like, did I miss something in this scene? Where... That's also a thing I just love, though, too, because it's also like a thing with like Death Wish, too. Like, I just love the like. That's how you get people around, like, where we live, and, like, don't walk around Gloversville. Like yeah, right. Because you just got the, like, you know. It's a bad part. People got, you know, the image in their head of, like, there's just these youths running around with switchblades about to pop out and, you know. <laughs> bop ya. I don't know. <laughs> what else, what, what, did we miss anything? Did we miss anything about Invasion USA? A lot of product placement in this film. I wonder how, why it got filmed. Yeah. Nissan product placement. Nissan, the big ni- one, yeah. The big Nikon, Nissan truck. you know. Yeah. The Ford. The Nissan truck specifically seems like really big placement. Um, because it's like the mall's 
like prize, like for a contest, and they take it. Fun fact: that truck's still running to this day. It's a nice looking truck. I mean, like just looking at it, especially you know, in our day and age of uh, gigantic fucking ass trucks. You know that Nissan with a nice, you know, those like mid '80s Nissans and Toyota pickups, you can run them into the ground. Yeah, they're still running today. Yeah, that Nissan looks nice. I, I would like, I would like one just like for beating around. You know, but I think, I think that's about it. I think we pretty much covered it. You know, Invasion USA is a very, um, like we said, of the time film, '80s film. Um, it is the best Chuck Norris film that I've seen, and I've really only seen one. So there you go. Um, and you know, it's it certainly has qualities that you can appreciate. Um, the action elements of it is, is fun for for sure, but it has a lot of ridiculousness that you can't really think about too much because if you do, it really breaks down the entire movie. You you can't you know you can't dwell on it or else. The realism goes out the window. So on a scale of, let's see, zero to 10, and we'll go with, oh, oh, um, I don't know. What do you, you got anything? Zero to 10? I'm trying to think here. Zero, maybe zero, zero to 10. John Eagle fan boats. John, John Eagle fan boats. Before we go into that. I just wanted to mention, remember that guy that was fucking jacked as hell washing the car with that other dude? Yeah, the big, the buff. And he looks ridiculous. I mean, he looks like he's, he's he looks like Lou Ferrigno, but even yeah, shorter than yeah, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, yeah, Cuban Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. I'm actually glad you brought this up. Yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to bring this up, too. I missed- so the whole bit where they're in, they're in the bar, he's got the guy stabbed. And yeah. the one guy comes running up because he's pissed off because this asshole is acting like an asshole. Which the fat I rock pulled up great. That's what I want. I want a nice I rock. Yeah. yeah. But he comes in there and he tells them, "Get the hell out of here! If you don't, you're gonna see somebody right to wish for a laugh." Oh my god, that was you're dumb. so many rights you'll wish for a laugh. That's yeah, right. So fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing yeah. so hard at that, like. <laughs> Yeah, Cuban Lou Ferrigno really stood out to me, though, in that scene. Because I was like, wow, that guy looks ridiculous. <laughs> it's just so, oh, my God. It was so great. And that's another scene, too, where he just showed, like, again, like Michael Myers. Right, he like, just shows he up. He's just there. Just, just, you know. Yeah, it's like, how did he get here? Where did he come from? How did he know? Nope, he's just there. All right, so on a scale of 0 to 10, um... John Eagle, Eagle fanboats. Fan <laughs> what would you give this movie? I'll give it a five and a half. It's not a good film at yeah. all. Um, the plot's ridiculous. It's ridiculously stupid. Doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. If you think about it too hard, you might have a stroke. <laughs> but that being said, there is a charm to Chuck Norris. I do. I actually don't think he's bad in this film. He's not a bad actor in this movie no, at all. No, I think you know his one-liners are really good. He's got a commanding presence. The action in it is excessive, over the top. 
Not at times well choreographed or well thought out, but it is engaging enough to keep your attention. Um, the film could definitely use like a 15 minutes cut out because it's definitely way too damn long. Like I said, literally the first 20 minutes of this film is just a rambling, meandering mess. But that being said, it is a film I actually do think it's bad enough to where it's hilarious. And there's a lot of moments where I was laughing my ass off. Um, so yeah, I'd say five and a half. It's, I'd say at least watch it once to be like, what happened? That was a thing. Yeah. I mean, I would give it, I probably, I I give it a, like a six. Um, you know, it's not a good movie. I will, I will admit that. And, and it definitely has length issues. It should be 90 minutes. It really could get in and out. And I think being an hour and 47 is just way too long. Um, you know, so it really needs to be 90 minutes and cut down. But when you get to that point, I think there are some good things to it. It's ridiculous. You can't think about it too much, but um, it's fun. You know, you do have action sequences that do look good and, you know, have good production values, explosions and car chases and stuff like that. None of the explosions look cheap, to be honest. No, they don't. They they look pretty good. And, and even, you know, like we talked about, that explosion – from the interior that we get with that scene in the armored car um, garage, you know, that looks really good. So they didn't really skimp on that. So I think that a lot of the action looks pretty good. Um, you know, you just can't think about the the plot details and the plot really doesn't make much sense. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to invading Miami. Like what what will be the the end goal here? doesn't make sense that you have Rostov, who's a Russian um, leading this charge. There's no, you know, there's no explanation. You don't get any in- information on what happened between Rostov and Matt Hunter to make him so scared. And I think that the having the villain scared throughout the majority of the film is not also is not a good look for him um, because there's clearly no suspense built with that. But with all that said, you know, you're gonna have fun. You're gonna watch it and see, you know, a lot of action. Um, and you know that's pretty much what you're gonna want from an '80s movie. So I think from that regard, it's it's you know it, it works to you know to do what it's supposed to do. And Chuck Norris is really not that bad here. You know he's his acting's pretty good. Uh, he's got one-liners. Um, I would argue that the writing is like not terrible. Um, you know from a dialogue perspective, it's not terrible. Um, the plot itself is not good, but the writing itself is is okay. And um, you know, it it's serviceable as an action movie. There are definitely way worse action movies with similar types of plots um, that came out in the 80s. And Invasion USA is one that, you know, is manageable. And you can you can watch it and have fun. And that's I think that's pretty much all that you can ask for from a movie like this. You're not going to go in looking for deep meaning unless you're Tucker Carlson. And maybe you are referring to Invasion USA when you're, you know, crafting your next episode. But um, <laughs> But other than that, you know... You're you're from a perspective of an educated, you know, person. You're gonna watch this and be like, yeah, that was fun, and you know, that's pr- that's pretty much it. That's all you can ask for. So, Invasion USA pulls that off. And that's all that you know. That's all you can want in a movie like this. So, next week we next week or, or uh, next episode. I always do that. Next episode we can go every back to two weeks. If you want. We can't go back to weekly. I don't have enough time for that. We can only <laughs> do that like two times a year. And that's Halloween and Christmas. That's when I have time for it. But or you make you make the time. That's right. Um but in the next episode, we are going to venture uh, 
into red-brown territory with Strike Commando. Now, Ryan, who is red-brown? No one talks about in the annals of great action films. Pretty much, yeah. There's not Red Brown's name's not brought up. Who who is this? Man? And you know what? Red Brown has been a part of uh, quite a few cult action movies, even though he's not really made it into the uh, mainstream discussion. So you know, he's he doesn't get enough credit, I would say, uh, for what he's actually been in. Strike Commando is, um, it's going to be a ripoff. Of lots of action movies from the 80s. We'll see that. We'll talk about it. But. Red Brown deserves credit too. Just like any of the other action movies. of uh, Stars that we've. Uh, we've uncovered thus far. So we'll talk about that. We'll give Red Brown his, his due. His credit. Um, so stay. Stick around for the. the uh, Strike Commando episode. And um, we're going to watch it on glorious Blu-ray. Thanks to Severin Films. Who has released Strike Commando 1 and 2. Oh, there's two of them. There's two. Not really related to each other very much, but there's two. Um, so we're going to watch the Severn Films Blu-ray of it and have a 1080p time with it. Ooh. Mm. So uh, stick the around. A- when's the AK release coming out? Because that's a thing now. Yeah, the AK? I don't know. I, that When that comes out, I have to upgrade my whole system because I, I can only get 4K. I know is 8K it, is the new thing, but... Is it that noticeable? To be honest with you, no. So in, even then, my TV um, will upscale the Blu-ray to 4K. Maybe I think it's I, I think here I hear I think how it's working now is when they upscale it, you only notice it like after the next upscale because yeah. like for the longest time, like 1080p and 720p, right, you can, yeah. they can't tell the difference. Now, now you can tell Yeah, now you can tell the difference. But, yeah. but I mean, it's like 1080 between 4K. I can't fucking tell the difference. Yeah, it's pretty tough, you know. And yeah. then. And then, yeah, I think you're right. You know, if you can really tell the difference with like an 8K, then yeah, maybe you, Blu-ray would be. You're really gonna be able to see a lot of dimples on assholes. And, That's right. Uh, in your uh, porn adventures these days, now you're gonna know you're gonna know your stars inside now. Well, you know what? On no, they it, live, I could really see Roddy Piper's. You know, um, you know his scars have, and stuff like that. You have. They live on 4K. Yeah. yeah. We should do that after. I do. Commando. Yeah. Oh, you want to you want to do that right for the action movies? Uh? It's an action film. It is. Yeah. And it's got an action star. It does. Yeah. Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Yeah. One of my favorite wrestlers. Yeah, of we all could time. could could look at doing that. All right. So uh, stick around for our next episode on Strike Commando within the '80s action month. Uh, we are on iTunes, Stitcher. Google Podcast, pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. Um, if you're on any of those, subscribe to us and give us a nice review. That always helps us out. We're on Facebook and Twitter. You can search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Uh, give us a like or a follow. Um, and we appreciate that too. And again, you can email us at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what movies you want us to cover, and we will certainly take that into consideration. You can donate to us on Patreon or any of the other um platforms that have you know subscription-based services um, that helps keep the podcast running helps us buy beer so that is certainly something that we would appreciate and other than that thanks a lot for listening and we will be back with another episode of the red hot 80s action series in two weeks take care